before we get into it, I just want to talk about audible.com because I love it. I do audiobooks all the time when I'm driving around LA. It's how I love to, it's, it's my preferred way to get books in, frankly. Specifically, I want to talk to you about Neil Gaiman's The Sandman. It's coming to Audible July 15th. Now, I've put off reading this graphic novel and the series of novels because, well, I just got a lot going on. But I'm going to get it. It's in my pre-order list right now. Uh, you should think about it. If you've never used Audible, you get a free book. And you can go to our website and click the link and use that to get your free book. We do get a little on the back end, and we appreciate you for the support. So, Neil Gaiman, I would also say Nor- Norse Mythology, really good book. The Audible book is actually read by Neil himself. I really appreciate how he puts his personality into the writing. A little bit funny, uh, some new stories or, or twists, new twists on stories uh, from the Norse world that my fantasy nerd self likes. Welcome to the More in Common podcast. This is a place where we explore the fact that we have more in common than that which divides us by anchoring humanity in compassionate conversation. I'm Juan Rivera. I'm a father, an entrepreneur, a writer, and an avid listener, and I'm happy to introduce today's show. Let's check on some reviews. Our latest comes from Donnie Megan, an amazing guest from season two of 2020. Donnie says, Keith has been a friend for many years. It's amazing to see the sort of man that he's become and the company that he keeps. Ronnie hits with some great questions, really gets you thinking, and keep this going. We need these conversations. Now remember, you can find all things More in Common at moreincommonpod.com. There are episodes, merchandise, blogs, and more. Of course, if you like what you hear, give them a like in your favorite podcast app, leave a review. It helps promote this show and gets more ears on these amazing conversations. Even better, if you leave a review, We will try to read it on a future show and share, share, share. On today's episode, as part of 2020, A Decade Possible, this is Season 3, A Process. Today, the guys are with Omar Alberto. Omar is a preeminent agent for models based in L.A. with interesting stories and a great story himself. In this conversation, they talk about a lot of things. How he got started as a male modeling agent finding comfort in his own identity, and how he celebrates life and lives it to the fullest. Enjoy today's amazing conversation with Omar. And he's like, we got to get into this world. Like, you got to, like, have a clear vision of who people are. And that's how far back... I learned about accepting. Accept people for who they are. Love people. What that night introduced me to variety. Seeing things for what they are, accepting people for who they are. What they do has nothing to do with what I'm about or my belief. Welcome back to the show. Today we are with Omar Alberto. Welcome to the show, Omar. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, guys. This is cool. Yeah. So Omar is 
first and foremost, as you get to know him, a loving father who cares deeply about his son and being a dad. He is an avid hiker and loves swimming in 35-degree water. Um, from there, he is the Los Angeles-based agent for the fashion industry who has specialized in representing ethnically diverse male models. He currently owns and runs Just Omar, a modeling agency and branding company in Southern California. Omar is known for finding new talents and often credited with originally introducing real people into the U.S. fashion market. During the last three decades, his men have appeared in almost every prestigious international fashion magazine, including L'Uomo Vogue, GQ, Arena Magazine, and Esquire, and have appeared in campaigns for Ralph Lauren, Versace, Gucci, Armani, and Dolce & Cabana. Through the years, he has introduced to acting, uh, via modeling, the actors Diamond Honsu, um, Antonio Sabato Jr., and Tyrese Gibson, the star of the Fast and the Furious franchise films. And in recent years, Omar has also begun getting more involved in TV and film production. In uh, 2013, he and Brian Lewis introduced an independent romantic drama film entitled Things Never Said for Ohio Street Pictures. Uh, we're really excited to have you here, Omar. Thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank you. That was a yeah. quick introduction. That was good. Thanks. <laughs> Someone else wrote it. I just I just put it together. The big thing the big thing that's important hey. is really capturing one thing that a lot of people don't is is your passion for being a dad. So, you know, yeah. I'm I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that because you've got two fellow sure. passionate fathers uh, with you. But I want to start it off with. And and you kind of alluded this alluded to this at the beginning, um, before we started uh, getting into the to the discussion. Your bio does say you represent ethnically diverse male models across the world. Now, was that by design? And you don't just represent males. Is it... it's a great question. Um, I believe that the reason why I got that tag is because. When I came to Los Angeles in 1985, I worked for a company called East West. Um, and the industry at the time was pretty much blonde, blue-eyed, all-American boys, beefy, you know, cut up. And, you know, here comes this guy, Omar, into town. <clears throat> and my first six months in this town working at this company, East West, I did not do well. I was not well accepted in this town. By the way, I hated this place. I wanted to get out of here. And I wanted this to place is Hollywood for, for those listening. Yeah. I just did not enjoy being in Hollywood. I'm like, you know, I got to get back to New York. And this is so, you know, so Hollywood, which I get into that later on. Here it is 30, 40 years later. Um, but I wasn't, um, I wasn't successful and I was going to get fired. <clears throat> and here we go. A famous night changed my life <laughs> in LA. I was out with my mates, a bunch of my friends. We had gone to the, our first like Hollywood party. It was a Friday night. And literally I was going back to New York like Wednesday. I'm just gonna tell these guys Monday that hey guys I'm out. I'm I'm this is not it's not happening for me. My name is Omar. I have this crazy voice. I have this crazy accent. I'm calling people. Remember we back in the days you call people. So here I am calling people. Wait, what, Hi, this what is, is that? Omar. <laughs> exactly. I'm calling people. Hi, this is Omar. I work for this company. I have this 
great guy I want you to see, man. I think you'll like him. We don't work with your agency. Send us a package. Click. Uh-huh. So I'm doing hard. I think I must have booked $6,000 worth of business in six months. That's like, you're supposed to do that like per hour, per day, whatever. Anyway, right. um, I went out with my mate, <clears throat> home Hollywood party, and I see my first time seeing like Hollywood paparazzi at this party. They're taking pictures of some girl. I don't know. Yes, you know, they're just taking pictures. And me and my boys is just, you know, we, we just you know, acting fool. You know, we're taking out the girls. We do nothing. And you'll hear later who my crew was at the time. I mean, funny enough, most of them are very famous right now. Um, at the time, we had just all came here from New York. And uh, here we are out. And this girl kind of popped her head out of the paparazzi scene and looks at me. And I go, oh, shit. It's Tiana, who, and we used to live at Studio 54. I met her at 6 in the morning at Studio 54. And at this point, when I see her, she's huge. She's the girl in the Michael Jackson video, The Way You Make Me Feel. Mm-hmm. One of the most iconic videos when he's walking behind her. He's blown up. You know, there's yep. rumors of her and Michael and Lady. And she sees me, she's like, oh, what? I'm like, oh my God, Tiana, we see each other, we hug. And a photographer comes and goes, hey, can I do a picture of you guys? And yeah, here it is. We do that today. But this was 1987, and I'm taking a picture with this girl. And the picture comes out in the papers like a day, two days, I don't know, later, I guess, probably the next day. And I go to work Monday. I haven't said I'm leaving yet. Literally, it's like 10 in the morning. Reception says, Omar Light to her Britt. I'm like, all right, which one of my asshole models is trying to fuck with me? Because <laughs> her Britt is not. This is the biggest photographer in the world. The most iconic photographer in the world. And yeah, he's quite in my way. So I pick up the phone and I say, yeah, which one of you guys want to play with me this morning? Because I'm not in the mood. Trying, oh my, this is Herb. Oh, this is good. This is good. Yeah, no, this is Herb. And I just saw your picture in the papers, and I've seen you around town with a couple of your models, and I think you have a great taste. And there's a guy I like to send to you. I don't think anybody in LA gets him. And I love this guy. I work with him all the time. His name is Tony Ward, who's still today. Tony will be mentioned in my book because I think I have the rights to do a book on the whole history of male models. Um, Tony Ward, to me, is top 10 in the world, ever. Iconic. Here he is at 50-something years old. He still kills it. And Tony was 5'10", if anything, 5'11". So, you know, male models are six feet and yeah, over. Totally. He was... I'm out. Kind of Greek looking, big nose, but rip, 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 and, and kind of a cool look, you know? Yeah. Um, he wasn't what the industry was having at all. I mean, as like I said, the industry was very blonde hair, blue eyes, dark hair, handsome guys. Everybody looks like a bloody quarterback. Um, I have a joke that till this day it still stands in the modeling industry. We call him Chuck. I used to call all those guys Chuck. Did anybody look like their name was Chuck? Like, are you a quarterback? <laughs> so, so um, I'm eluding something with this. So here we 
here it is. He, he tells me how he wants to send me this kid. And he sends me this kid, Tony Ward. And I, of course, I, I tell him, wow, he's a great kid. Uh, this is a game changer now, guys. I mean, I just got a call from her. Richard's telling me he loves my style. He loves my guys. And then I'm thinking, what is he talking about? None of those guys that I hang out with are models. <laughs> These are my boys. Chris Bancaro. So he, he just saw your crew and assumed that they were... Your models. Yeah. None of these guys are models except for Billy Worth. Billy Worth was the the gentleman who changed my life to become a male model agent. I'll get to that later. Uh Billy Worth is the first male model I ever represented in my career. Till this day I was a Billy Saturday. He's one of my best. He's he's family. He's not a brother to me. He's family. It's like my, mm. my heart. And, and, and Billy was the star of the movie. Remember the iconic movie Lost Boys? Yeah. 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 Okay. Billy's the one with the long hair. You know, it's him, Jason Patrick, you know, Kiefer Sutherland. Anyway, uh, Billy was the jet black hair, long one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Billy Word, um, uh, Paul Fisher, my old partner in business. Um, uh, Paulie looked like Bruce Willis with hair, young, you know, and he had a rap, you know. And let's say who was possibly, possibly, I, I don't know if Kevin was with us, Kevin Dillon, uh, Chris Brancato. Chris Brancato is one of my dearest friends, you know, the creator of Nauticals. Uh He has right now mm-hmm. Godfather of Harlem. These are all my, my, my buddies that we all know each other from New York. Yeah. We all play ball in New York together. Um, so it's always a crew of us. Um, Jesus, who else would be hanging with us at that time? I mean, I try to remember who was with me that particular evening, but yeah. it was a bunch of my boys. Anyway. So Herbert took a liking to me and changed the whole game for me. Wow. Because the day I, the day that you were gonna walk wait. in and say I'm Herbert gave me so much like and, and, and we'll get into that. When it's when it comes to the modeling industry, the the industry of making models. The industry of making iconic models, the industry of making, creating images, I take it to core. There are very few, few agents that have had that passion. And I can name a bunch of them that I happen to love. They possibly from my era, they don't exist anymore. Mm. Couple of them are still around. They're pretty much more laid back running their companies or not as active as they used to be. Something hit me early this weekend. And it's the fact that here I am, 62 years of old of age, and there's nothing, and I just realized this this week, there's nothing I do today that I didn't do when I was in my 20s. I've never really have changed my life or my lifestyle. I like what I do. I'm, I'm never really, I think the only change I ever had in my life was two, two major ones. When my son was born and that affected me. And when my, when my mother traveled in 1999, that was a game changer because I used to say to my mother, I don't ever want to be here without you. She used to say, mm-hmm. yes, you will. trust me, you are going to be. Because, and now I get it, the love you have the love I have for my son. Uh, that's that life team went all out for me, no matter what. Yeah. 
So, mm-hmm. um, those are two things that have possibly impacted me that gave a change in my life. But other than that, I've always been the same person, same guy, so, same lifestyle. Let's get so, into that a little. Like you, so we, we got to LA. If we could close the loop, though. Because uh, oh yeah yeah you yeah to, so so Herb introduced you yeah. right to this a non-conforming model. model and that yeah. kind of led to the ethnically diverse uh, is it exactly. like a non-traditional yeah well I'll tell you what happened this is very interesting because and I'm so sorry because my stories are so deep because I like to give a very visual yeah no it's good um but. When I took on Tony and things started, I stayed in LA, by the way. But yes, I said, I, I just got caught by Aaron Ritz. I yeah. can now really, really grow up town. I mean, sorry, globally, which is another thing I don't, I don't enjoy about my bio when it speaks about LA agent. Mm, I speak for that. global agent. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then my campaigns, I get 25% of my success in the print industry came out of, out of LA. Hello, no. Yeah. Globally. Yeah. You do global work when you're working with global iconic yeah. photographers. It's just that simple. You're just now, based in LA. That's, that's it's that, well, yeah. I was based in LA and then I opened New York and then I had Miami. It was New York, LA, Miami. That was all through the nineties. Yeah. Like late eighties, all nineties. I was tri tricoastal, I guess you call it. Um <laughs> I um I started when, when Herb started really calling me and I started, you know, taking guys into Herb and he started shooting them. Other photographers, I guess, and through the magazines, saw the difference, saw the difference in what was happening. But here comes another game changer. This is literally three months, four months after the incident with Herb. Here it is again. And this is a very important thing that I'm going to get into. Very intricate how that happened in my life. Here I am at a nightclub again, and I am with a, um, my crew. Right? I mean, this time I'm a deep. I'm with a deep crew, okay. And you know, I'm doing my thing. I go to work Monday, and a woman knocks on my door. This is now I have Omar's men. I I I left my old company. I open up with my my partner at the time, uh, Paul Fisher, and we opened it models Omar's men. It models will be women's, Omar's men is men. And we right. were downtown, nine, 900 East First Street, downtown. This does not, does that, that doesn't exist. A model agency, downtown. Right. This is where downtown was good. Okay, we're in the hood, in a loft. In a one bedroom loft, ground floor, one bedroom in the back. It has two other rooms that were open. We had a punching bag in one room and another room. We had like a couch in there. It was one phone, by the way one phone with one line and we're trying to run a company and this woman comes in knocking on a monday i don't remember what day it was and she has to crush me and she knocks on my door and as soon as she opens the door she gets to see me i'm on my desk i used to have a big bob marley rasta poster behind me that says freedom and she walks in she hi uh, my name is janine stein and i'm a writer for the la times and i'm looking for omar's man and I'm like, ah, oh, this is it, lady. <laughs> Are you Omar? I said, yeah, I'm Omar. She goes, I'm, I go, you, you're messing with me. She said, no, I really want to do a, a feature. And you're like, 
you're like the man in town. Everyone is talking about your agency and you. And I'm like, wow, okay. So she sits there and we have the most amazing time, this woman and I. And she was brilliant, brilliant. And it was so funny because she was in crutches. And I'm like, are you in pain? And she's like, no, I'm okay. I'm enjoying this so much. You know, so we did this interview. So that newspaper article blew me now up in LA. Now I'm, I'm, you know, they're like, wow, this guy. I mean, I'm, I'm on the cover of the LA Times. That, oh, you were on the cover. No joke. That that doesn't well, hurt. That doesn't, yeah, that doesn't, it doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt at all. Yeah. Yeah, it was the it was the entertainment section. Yeah. You know, boom. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, a picture of me. And Which is all that matters in LA. That didn't hurt. And I happened to be in New York when that happened. I went to visit a friend of mine who's to this day my sister, one of the top five, I would say, best model agents in history. Her name is Nadia Shari. She was the first one who ever opened a men's agency. She had men in New York. And she was so graceful to me and so gracious and so she's my sister. You know, she gave me her entire ages. She pretty much gave me all her men. She said, you can represent all my men in New York and I'm going to, you know, whoever you want to make, you know, have me represent in New York, let's do this. You have a great eye. So now I'm becoming, you know, more and more known in the world of male models because all these agencies are like, hey, who are these guys? This guy is finding, which again, I'm alluding to something. You know, I've been successful with having a lot of great men in my agency and some of, as I said, some of the most iconic faces ever in this industry. And how funny is it that it hit me at 60? Someone asked me, like, what's the secret? Like, how, what's been the secret of your success? Like, how do you have that eye? How did you develop that eye? Because to think, you got to think about this. I'm a Latino guy. I'm from Panama. I came here when I was 19 years old. I not speak any English. I end up in this industry called fashion modeling. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't work where I came from. I used, to, I used to swim. That's all I did all my whole life. Fashion to me was what Speedo Jansen was sending me for my neck knee because I actually I, I, I for the national team of Panama. All I did was swim. That's it. I live a block away from the swimming yeah. facility. I knew anything. I never kissed a girl. I never fashion. I probably had one pair of jeans, a pair of pants. I think once I got a pair of Converse, I said, I will flip flops in the towel, you know. So I'm straight. I come from a very macho, yeah. driven country, yeah. you know. Latinos are very machista. So here it is. I, I represent men. I'm like men, like chicks. Why am I missing, you know, people would have like, you, I come represent men and not chicks. And it hit me at 60. It's okay. What, you know, it hit you when it hit you. I never represented anyone I didn't want to hang out with. That's <laughs> all <laughs> it was. And what it always has been is how come these guys became successful? Again, it always happened with me organically. Why they became successful and why so many men is because I just figured it out. I always feel, and still do, there's a photographer right now in the world that believes you, either one of you two, is the most amazing guy they ever saw in their life. It's about taste. 
That's all it is. It's about tech. What are you into? I'm going to show you yeah. variations of what you're into. Hopefully, you'll like one. That means you'll buy. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. But I did it organically. I, it never was. And I still do it. I do it every week, every year of my life. I still do. I don't. I never look at it like, oh, let me take this model on because I'm going to do this and that and that. No, it's a something in my brain starts pairing a person up with a shooter. Hmm. Always. I look at everything as a picture. That's what I said. Faces. Faces is what motivates me. It's what hmm. gives me all this energy because I'm always pairing up. I'm always, this is horrible. This is horrible what I'm about to say, but it's my reality. I look at everyone and I see a picture. Why is that I, horrible? I, I because I see the better version of what you don't know into that's, in my eye. That's like I a super you and I say I can make you better physically. <laughs> I'm not talking about all the internal right. shit. Yeah, you're just, I'm you're talking, talking about, about the physical representation. Yeah. 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 Yes, I could give you a you that you didn't even know you had. Can I, and you can can I get that me? <laughs> Let's go. Like, where do we sign up for the Omar plan? Where do I get, where do I get the Omar me? <laughs> yeah, no, Rodney, by the way, don't you ever dye your hair blonde again on the tip. Never do that again. Uh, unless somebody's paying you, it ain't sexy. It was dye your cool. hair blonde at the tip? You had some blonde tip, or was that a, like a, a picture mistake? I don't know. Where'd you see that? On your Instagram. No, I don't have any blonde tips. Never. Really? Never. Never. Okay, I I've never dyed my hair. You okay, might have saw, you might have saw gray. <laughs> no, there's no gray. In you come on, you're too young for that. <laughs> okay. Um, I never represented anyone I really didn't want to be friends with, and I always saw an opportunity between that face and a shooter. And I was, I'm still, I am extremely blessed in my life that I have become friends with some of the greatest, greatest shooters of the past 30 years. I, I want to ask, because like, I got like 20 questions yeah. from everything you just said that like, and, but I want Keith to, get his first and then i want to well, go because i yeah, yeah quickie. it's you had no background in fashion no desire you swam like this is just what it is you're from panama you know and who would have thought in your mind and the yeah. you see it all the time it's about opportunity meets what you may not know you care about yeah. and then you find what you care about and it doesn't matter your experience your background it doesn't matter how much training you've had most of the time it's it's that passion and that alignment that says, this just makes sense to me. Some people, it just makes sense that physics works. Like, I get physics, but it doesn't make sense to me half the time, right? Or, or whatever it may be. And finding that, I think, is, is an amazing thing. And I have to, like, you talk about um, being uh, a, a Latino man in that machismo that background, like how then have you, you just immersed into it, this idea of looking at another man and saying, he's like being comfortable with like, hey, that's a pretty, that's a good looking man. 
and I, I'm gonna do something for that man, like because our culture, like I'm, I think this feeds, I think this feeds into my comment. Interestingly enough, because Omar talking to you, this third time I've talked to you, probably a total, some total of 35 minutes yeah. leading up to this. Um, what is crystal clear about you to me is that you are you, yeah. and you are uh, very clear so about who you are. And I'm wondering how, like, is that when did that? Have you always been that crystal clear? Like, was it 19? Was it when you came here? Like, when did? Because it seems like you're so clear about you that you're just hanging out with these dudes. Like, oh yeah, they are good looking dudes. Yep, they could be models. Y'all want to be models? All right, let's do this. Like, that's kind of what it seems like yeah. from this from this angle. But like, how how like how do you think about that? Um, I one night changed my entire life and made me see this industry that I'm in the fashion entertainment industry. Yeah. And that was a night in New York City in 1978. Studio 54, right? Studio 54. I ended up there. I had zero knowledge of this place. I'd seen the place two, three days ago before that night. Hold uh, up, sorry, real so quick. Was... I'm sorry, I just want to ask this. Um, so you came here when you were 19. How long did it take you to learn English? Um, I spoke about a good... I spoke enough to defend myself pretty good with a really bad accent. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Panamanian accent. Uh, but I say by the time I was, you know, by about with eight months to a year, I was good. You were because I went to school, so I was yeah, I was I, I got it pretty down. You know, I still don't, but I do my best. Yeah, <laughs> uh, guess what? I I don't, and I, I've been here. This is my first language, so. Yeah. I think in Spanish, so that is very difficult for me. Everything mm. I say, it gets yeah. processed in languages before it gets out to English. English can be such a limited language. You don't have that many words. Mm -mm. Think you do, or you don't. Um, but we don't. That night changed my life because you know you got these two kids from Panama, me and my friend Ricky Ricardo, and we just came out of this theater and we looked to the left and we like, oh. If you look to your left, it's Central Park. If you look to your right, it's Times Square. And we just saw all these limousines coming out of 54th Street. And we're like, oh, what are those old limos? Like, let's go and see if we see, you know, who's coming out of those limos. But as we turned, we saw all these people, literally about 200 people outside of this place, blocking the street where those limos are coming from. And we're like, oh, and we saw the big 54. And he goes, Pete. That's the place we saw in the news two days ago, like where famous people go. And I'm like, ah, let's walk down and see if we see famous people outside. And the owner, uh, Steve Rebell, God rest his soul, Steve used to stand on top of a fire hydrant and just point at people like you. You know, he mm -hmm. created the Velvet Rope. And Matthew, who was, you know, the doorman at the time, he was the guy, the first guy who did who played Daniel in the original Dynasty, the son. He was the first doorman at studio, then became Mark Bennett, who one of my dearest friends loved that man. Death. Then Mark Bennett became he based, you know, of the door. Hmm. So Steve will point out, and he, Steve had this remarkable ability to stare at someone and stare right through them. Hmm. You're standing there freezing your butt, like, can I get in? Oh, you don't exist. Yeah. Or say, I don't like this shoes. Get away. Um, no, she's ugly. No, get another one. 
I mean, he was rude like that. And he goes, those two. And I'm like, me? Are you coming or are you staying? I'm like, yeah, we're coming. And he gave us tickets. Tickets. Mind you, those times, studio was like 20 bucks to get in. 1970s, and, yeah. you know, 1,200 people fit in this place. Yeah. And Ricky and I walk into that building, and we felt like, him. it's like walking to the, you know, you're talking about like the red carpet, Oscar. You in, you in, you're in Studio 54. This yeah. is the number yeah. one biggest, most important nightclub in the world. And here it is, this two kids from Panama walking through. So we're trying to get, we want to go to the bathroom to count our money. See how much money we had? Eight dollars. We live in Brooklyn. We had eight yeah. bucks. Yeah. And we go to the bathroom, and there's a problem because oh shit, we went to the wrong bathroom. Two girls came out of a stall, so we go oh shit, it's probably the other one. But when we go to the other one, there's two guys in their kitchen. Whoa! I've never seen this. I'm 19 years old. I've never seen two men kissing. Yeah. Yeah, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. what is going on? Yo, whoa, so we we left, we like through the bathrooms, right? And we just went right there on the low. We got eight bucks, so we figured we'll get one drink, two cups, bunch of ice, split it up. After that's done, fucking baby, fill it up with water. So, right. exactly what we did. But as we came down from the bathroom, the first table on the left, the studio 54, was the table. I mean, they were all the tables. Well, this table, for some reason, caught my attention. Because I've never seen people like this in my life. I'm like, who are these humans? Like, what is going on here? You know, who's this little short guy with crazy, like, dyed white hair, shorter, with a suit on, with no tie and a camera, you know, and he looks kind of, well, he looks fragile. You know, Andy Warhol. Well, I don't know this, you know. Who is that man standing there with this so elegant? He looks like a movie star, like in his white jacket and black turtleneck, and he smokes these long cigarettes with funny enough. That's what I smoke. No. Now he smokes these long cigarettes like, wow, well, he used to smoke like this, and it's you know, it's Halston. But I don't know this. Oh, you know this Calvin there and, <clears throat> and they all realize that all these people, but I don't know who these people are, right? Bang, I turn to the dance floor and everyone is staring. There's not that many black people in there. There's probably like 10 at the time I, that I could recall. Yeah, I was going to ask about this. Black dude, here it is. I'm a straight dude. Why am I looking at some brother? I'm looking at this dude because I'm going, who the hell is this dude? He has like four chicks he's dancing with. This dude is controlling, right? And he's wearing no shirt. He's ripped. Six foot three possibly beautifully fitted black leather pants with a big Elsa Peretti buckle, you know, the, the leather's hanging out, black cowboy boots, and he had this beautiful white fur coat. I've never seen this. Beautiful face. You know, he's a good-looking man, and his name is Sterling St. John, the son of <laughs> famous actor Raymond St. John. Yeah. And he's twirling these women on the dance floor. <laughs> Little that I know, one is Bianca Jagger, the other one is Liza Minnelli, but I don't know who they are, right? And he takes this fur coat off and he throws it to the side. 
we, we used to do that as people. We all did. Take your jacket off and just throw it on the side, whatever. If you find it, you find it. If you don't, who cares? And he throws it at this black dude. And the black dude looks exactly like the character Bucky from The Little <laughs> Rascal. Yeah. This guy's wearing like army fatigue pants rolled up, paint all over them, big jacket, fucked up. I mean, like a jean shirt under with a like thermal and fucked up combat boots. You know, his name is Jean-Michel Basquiat, but I don't know this guy. I'm just fascinated. Like, how did they let that guy in? Like, is this human? And as I'm walking through the crowd, some dude grabs me. Turns me around and goes, oh my God, you're so beautiful. Dude, I'm about to punch this dude. <laughs> right? I go, and my, and Ricardo, Ricky holds my hand. He's like, B, B, chill out, dude. Chill out. He said, dude, this dude, like, he just talked to me like I was a female, dude. Like, what was that about? And he's like, dude, if we got to get into this world, like, you got to, like, have a clear vision of who people are. And, that's how far back I learned about acceptance. Mm. Accept mm. people for who they are. Love so what, people. What, for... Real quick, like how? So what changed? So you you had that moment of I'm gonna hit this guy, who's I don't know what's about to happen. Like right. how did that change? And ultimately, to Rodney's point, Boy, and you're just comforting sexuality. Like, yeah. Like you. What that night introduced me to variety, mm. things for what they are, accepting people for who they are. What they do has nothing to do with what I'm about or my belief. So I have had an amazing and still do incredible, incredible friendship, brotherhood, camaraderie, love and respect in the homosexual community because I don't see them as that. I, you know, they just, they, everybody's saying to me, you know, where, does, where does that come from for you? Like, it, I mean, you, you saw variety. It wasn't what you knew. It wasn't who you were, but you were just right. like, oh, this exists and this is cool. Yeah. This is different. Yeah. Like, is that mom? You talked about mom for a second. Like, is that where that came? Where does that come from for you? Yeah, it, it, it came actually. My, my mother was, um, God, my mother was an incredible woman. My mother was the most honest person I ever met in my life, beyond honest. Um, and my mother loved everyone. She had zero beef with anyone. If she had beef, anybody had beef with her, she will try to fix it, and it will bother her if she couldn't fix it. Funny enough, I'm the same way. You take care. I'm yeah, you exactly got like my mother. I'm the kind of guy that, I'll hurt before I let you hurt. Hmm. Like I could handle. So, you did, may not so your mom, that. your mom being that way, and then getting the social conditioning, that machismo, and then hmm. that moment, and then your buddy saying, "Hold up, like maybe you got to see things for what they are," and you back. Did, yeah. did that kind of revert you back to like, wait, like I can accept everybody, or like how? Like it seems like that's kind of the narrative that's weaving right here. It did. It did. It, 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 it allowed me to, to appreciate people as people and appreciate vibes. I'm all about vibes. If your vibe is cool, 
oh my God, we're vibing. And it's not all about sex. Sometimes it's just about a laugh. <laughs> Let's have a laugh. Some of my best, best, closest mates are gay. And they're funny as shit. And they're fun as shit. And they know it's never going to happen with me. They know it. Not, listen, I know me. I know me. I know me. And there's two things in life I really don't think it's ever going to take. I don't eat avocado. I bloody hate avocado. <laughs> and and uh, I'm never going to be sexually involved with a man. That's never going to happen. I, I, it's not. It's not a, a time I can say never. That I can never do. It's not going to happen. I, I, it's not what turns me on. At 62, I think, you, I think you got a track record to to have a, a good yeah, basis yeah, for that yeah, claim. I, I, you know? to you, you kind of know what you like. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I love, when it comes to sexual relation, I love women. That's yeah. all there is. How, how long have you been able to say, I know me, like you just said it? Uh, it took me to till I was 60. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys, but yeah, it no. took me to 60. No. Because you know what? It, it, the question possibly never came, never came up. How long it took you to know who you were? I probably never came up because I was like in my sixty. Um, also, the fact that I, um, I, I, as I said, I've always been the same guy, but I've never analyzed mm -hmm. me. I never analyzed me in in the sense of my life and my trajectory and the things that I've gone through and the things that have happened in my life. I have this incredible philosophy. I don't know. I think I made it up. I don't know if anybody <laughs> thinks about, about this, but I do. I look at life as a, as a hundred meters hurdle race. Life to me is 100 meters hurdles race. There's 10 hurdles to go through, right? From one to you know, 10, one, yeah, 10 hurdles. Zero is the start. That's when you were born. Okay, you're born at zero. Boom, here you are. This race called life. One of the things and advice that I give to my young talent and to anyone who cares to listen to is the hurdles in life are your trials and tribulations. Just like the hurdles, 100 meters hurdles race, there's only three ways to go to your finish, uh, to the finish, to the goal. And that is go jump over them, go around them or knock them down, or then there are those people, you hear the expression, oh, he always gets in his way. Those are the ones who go the hard way and they go under. Mm. They dig they through their way through the finish line. I always say to people, think of where you are in your life. That's why I said the word vision. Think of where you are in this 100 meters race and how can you see your goal? If you can see your goal, where are you? At 20, at 30, at 40, at 50? But because there's trials and tribulations, you have to not go, whatever it is you have to go through, you know, life throws you curveballs. Life is like a bloody boxing match. And I'll get into that later. Boxing match that life is always going to throw punches. It's how you take them. You can take them, you can duck them, you can throw back. Knock them out, you know. That's life. So, yeah. with me, I learned that I've lived that. 
I've lived at 100. I'm, I'm right now in my life where I see my life. I'm at 95. I really believe so because I'm almost touching my goal. My utopia, I'm literally like, oh, you fuck, get over here. Like, it's, it's almost there. I see it. I've been seeing it for a while. Um, so I'm good. And I, so I, think, I think people should have that type of vision. Like, have a vision of where you want to go. And where you want to go, just get there. Get there. Stop looking at it. Just get there because it's there. If you see it, if you don't see it, you're fucked. You have to see it. If you don't see it, then you just, <laughs> then you just, wow, what are you doing? You're just existing. It's interesting in your analogies. If you don't. And uh, Rodney, you can ask your question. I'd just make a comment. At no point, and I'm fascinated by this, at no point did you say in the 100-meter hurdles, fall and stay there and not finish the race. Hell no. And, and at no, no point no. did you say in the boxing analogy, get knocked out. Like, no. the, the, the mentality no. I take then, like that's, that's never an option for you or for anybody no. you want to hang out with. Yeah. No, no outside stores that. is going to knock me out. Yeah, only one person option. could knock me not out. Not an option. Me. Yeah. The only person going to knock me out is me. Just not getting up. You're not knocking me out. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah, are you kidding me? With this shit that I've gone through my entire life? Yeah. Come on, I came to this country, I was an illegal alien. I had to learn how to survive. How, so how... How did you? Get I here? came here to, to, for a two week vacation and I stayed here 11 years before I even went back. I never, I, <laughs> I came here for vacation in <laughs> bloody Orlando, Florida, guys. I was supposed to come here for 10 days and go back to Panama. Simple. I was going to possibly, I don't know what I was going to do, but I had no intention of staying here. Next thing I know, I'm here. I'm, I don't want to go back. So I stayed, I went to school and I worked under the table and to like, was able to get a passport through my brother who was the most genius brain I ever knew in my life. And my brother got me a passport that, that I could travel, but I never went back to Panama. I never went back for 11 years. I said, I'm not. Oh, uh, you never yeah. have, uh, so I, you... When I left, I didn't go back for 11 years. I said, I'm not going to go back to have something mm. to talk about. I know how, how, mm. how my people are. And I see a lot of people that come, go to Panama a lot from the state, and they act like, wow, they're like, you know, because it was a third world country at the time, and we're looking at these people that live in the state. We used to call the state the world, especially in New York. Like, ah, the world. Dude, he just came from the world. I'm like, wow, check out his shoes, check out you know, the swag and all that. So, you know, I figure if I ever go back to Panama, I'm going to go back. That's what I see. I'm a success. Well, mm. did you did you fear like was your thought if you go back, you would get trapped in to that and not? No, never, what never, you, what never, never, no, never, no, no, never, no, no, not at all. I never thought of that. I I got hooked. <laughs> Let me tell you that mm. one night at Studio Fifty Four, that was a wrap for me. Yeah. The old Omar died yeah. that night. That kid from Panama died that night. So Trust me. with that, like you said, you, you realized at 60, the epiphany, that you have been the same person. Like, what does that mean 
And where are those? I mean, you had a kid, but when you went to Studio 54, that changed everything you were up to that point. Mm -hmm. And then you had, so what does that mean to you that you, you are the same person since you were then now? Um, now that you've reflected on it. Being comfortable with who you are as a person. Being comfortable, really, who you are as a person and liking your life. You know, at this stage, I will always, I say to people, what am I grateful for? I always say, waking up, that's it. I wake up, it's a good day, let's go. Because this thing called tomorrow, I'm sorry, guys, but bad news, and your bad news is a reality. It ain't promised none of us. No one has that. No. It is so yeah. unfair. I thought about this a few months ago that we all have our beginning day, our birthday we get to celebrate. Why can't we celebrate our ending? We don't know it. That's so unfair. We know the beginning, mm. but we don't know the exit. Therefore, every day make that exit a good one. Live it to the fullest. Mm. Love, respect. You know, if you don't go, you don't know how you're gonna go out. So just go out with a high head and knowing that you were a good person, you did good, and you did the best that you could do for you. Do you be happy with who you are? Work wise, I always tell people, you know, <clears throat> in retrospect, I think about my career, it's never been work. Mm -hmm. How could you call that work? I woke up to go to this place where I saw these great humans, whether it's 11 employees or whatever month of employee we had. I think that one time we had about 74 employees within our office. And it was just these places that you go to and hang out with these great people that you know, you share lives together, you create these great relationships with your models. You know, at one point, I think I had over 800 clients in my agency. That's a lot of people, That's a lot of people. Then you think of the evolution of those people, you know, 80s, 90s, now they have offspring. How funny is it today, four of my kids that I represent are offsprings of ex-models of mine. It's like the full circle thing. Yeah. It, but it's because it never worked. They know how I handle their careers. Yeah. It was always just a lifestyle. It's something that I didn't go to work. No, I, this is the place I went to. Like people go to the gym or they go to coffee or whatever. This is a place I went to every day, my office, and, and, and had a great time. I always did. Today, I still do. I wake up and I'm so excited about the day. And let's create situations let's let's merge situations let's link situations that's where i am now in my company just omar and <clears throat> it's so much fun to do that but i'm comfortable with what i'm what i'm doing in my life now everything is i have a one degree of separation for anything i really want to do i really do you know Everything is possible for what I need. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I'm through the word content. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. You basically extended out. You realize 
when you got that call, like, these aren't models, these are my <laughs> friends. They can be models, and then you just make you just put that that turned into your life. Like that's it. Hey, and and you said it. You said it. Like you only worked with people. You only had clients that you wanted to still do. So that kind of mean, like to me, that says a lot because it's like you weren't changing you. You weren't trying to sell, or you weren't trying to be something in order to land, you know, whomever. To, to get them into your portfolio, you were you were being you. And the people that naturally vibed and connected with you ended up becoming these amazing clients that you had. Um, last year, <clears throat> I was working on a project which I will still put out um, a meeting about that this week. And it's possibly a docu-series, a documentary. Um, it's something I'm very passionate about right now that I would really like to see come to fruition. And that is, how does the magic work? How have you done this? A model of mine sent me a tape um, on my birthday last year. Name is John Dennis. I love JD. And he said to me, yo, oh, man, I just wanted to let you know, man, uh, man, how much I love you, man. You know, like you saw something in me that I didn't even know I had, like, like me, a model, you know. And he said, I think your gift Omar is the gift of giving. That kind of blew me away. He said, your gift is the gift of giving because you're always giving to people. You're so giving in terms of knowledge, whether it's my material or, or spiritually or knowledge, just dropping knowledge. You're so giving and so many people have screwed you over. I get that. On the financial part of my life, many dirty deals have happened where people have taken, you call it taken advantage of, or things happen in life. That's, that's normal in life. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, hello, I live yeah. in, in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> this is the place that deals. That's why we live here. You know, we live here because this place is a big giant carrot and we're all trying to get a bite out of it because it's just in your face 24-7. You always want those things that you're looking at because they're in your face. Yeah. You know, your your car that used to take you when you came here, you wanted a nice car to just get around. But six months go by, that car is no good anymore. You, now you want to step it up because now you want to look better. Mm. Ah, see? And all that look thing becomes a big part. Look better. That, the both cars take you to where you need to get to, but no, it has to be prettier. Mm. It has to be cooler or more expensive. And you know, your little one bedroom apartment ain't going to cut it anymore. You need the house in the hills. And, and you know, the house in the hills, you really do need a pool. It would be nice if you had a pool. You know, and you, so you always want, want, want because of this town, the visual mm. of this town. It wants you. Makes you want more. I'm so happy I graduated from that as well. Yeah. You know, I'm good where I am. You know, I, I have minimized my life. I don't need all that extra. Yeah. I'm good. I got enough extra activity outside of my house that I'm good. Yeah. So that's 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 one of the problems when people come to this town that their visuals are it, it, it gets it gets them out of focus of what they really want to do, the core of mm -hmm. what they want to do because of the visual.
you know, people, that's where the expression comes from. You know, you, you rented that. Do you think that's, um, do you think that's, that's just this town or is that just people and the visuals everywhere? Um, I mean, especially now with the fact that this town essentially lives everywhere because social media, yes, but TV. Because- you know what? Yeah, people say, oh, yeah, you can see that everywhere. You see, yeah, of course you can see that everywhere. Except one thing. The fuck, are you not in Hollywood? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't care what you talk. Yeah, Paris is beautiful. Milan is beautiful. Every place is beautiful. It's Hollywood. This is where movies are made. You know, movie stars live. This is the stuff that everyone dreamt of when they were kids. Whatever you're into, mm-hmm. entertainment related. Ah, hello, Hollywood. So, you know, I tell people, don't compare anything to Hollywood, but this is another piece. This is a mm-hmm. beast of a mm-hmm. place. This is the only place I know, okay? And I lived everywhere, especially in New York. I lived in New York for 17 years. This is the only place I've been in my lifetime that you could go from zero to hero overnight. Hmm. This place called LA. That's why we're here. That's why people hmm. are here. That's why people come here. Because, yeah. yes, you do hear about that person walking down the street and got scouted by someone. Yeah. Boom. It, it's, right. it's the only place, you know, zero to hero. Yeah. You go zero to hero. I I remember when I, I, I met Tyrese. I think the first job I got, Tyrese, was Tommy Hilfiger campaign. Boom. Hmm. Zero. Oh, now he's a big model. First campaign. First yeah. campaign. I think I, think I got him Skechers before, but it wasn't a big campaign. It was something locally LA because Skechers was like the LA client. Yeah. But the, I, right, right. Yeah, we got, I got Tyrese yeah. and big money too. Boom. Out the gate. Face, you know, the face of Tommy Hilfiger. And then we went on and do other things. But so many Jaimon Hosts. You know, Academy Award nominee, one of my dearest friends of today. Um, I believe how it, I have a great story to tell you guys. And that's, that's the whole diversity thing comes with Diamond. I don't know if Diamond knows this. I think I have spoken to him about it. But when I was introduced to Diamond, was through designer Thierry Mugler in Paris. And he used to always send me pictures of him and show me pictures of Diamond. And I really didn't know what to do with the human. Hmm. You know, this is the time where <laughs> black men are not six foot two, bald headed, with big, big lips and big noses and jet black, mm-hmm. jet black blue. You know, I'm right. talking right. diamond is black, Dark. you know, yeah. with really yeah. African yeah. features. That's did not exist in fashion. Diamond came to see me without an appointment, just so you know. This is how I met Diamond Hunsley in person. He walked into my office and threw his portfolio on my desk. Stood in front of me. Okay, have you ever seen any of his movies when he has that rage? He's quite yeah. scared. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This yeah. man stood in front of me. He's I am a black man. He said to me, I am a black man just like you. Why don't you want to help me? Oh. <laughs> I'm like, damn, I have a seat, man. I don't want to sit. I said, nah, dude, come on, man. Just sit and let's let's talk about this, you know. And I, so he brought he brings that same fire, like yeah. Every day. So yeah, he's an intense guy. And I go, dude, just I'm trying to explain to him what's going on in terms of dude, the client. Oh, the my, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah just yeah. come this <laughs> Of course, I'm looking in my dance. What do I have? You know, who's, who's in the house that got my back and this and stuff to speak to me? You know, we're going to get into it, brother, because yeah, I'm, I'm no punk. So um, <laughs> I said, there you go. Face it. It hit me. I go, wait a minute. Dude, sit tight. And I get on the phone. I was always known for having two phones. I always had two phones on my phone. And I call her Brit. Yeah, at this point, I'm in with her. And I call her I said, her, can I come see you right now? He goes, I'm like, I need to go see you right now. I get home right now. I'm putting Arnold and Maria. Arnold's cross the neck and Maria. I'm like, no, no, Herbert, you have to see me right now. I got to get this dude out of my office. I got to get out of here with this dude. I'm in a situation. Like, this is for real. You understand. I said, Herbert, I, I, I have to say, oh, no, I, I just can't. I call me in the right now. I said, no, Herbert, dude, I'm just going to drive by your office with this dude in my Jeep. Just pop your head out the window. <laughs> That's what I told Herbert. I didn't care. I put this dude in my Jeep and we drove to her business studio. Uh-huh. It's my Jeep. I say, fuck this. I'm taking him up. Uh-huh. And he and I go upstairs. There's commotion going on. You know, crew, stylist, yeah. everybody there is security. And I roll up and her happens to be walking by and goes, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> I, told, I said, Herb, I didn't know how to explain it to you. I didn't know how to explain this. Like, how do you explain this? Hi, I have this African guy. I want you to be bald head, completely bald with huge lips, huge nose. And Herb got it immediately. Yeah. Herb got it. And Herb, literally a couple of days later, Herb shot him for that famous uh, book, which is the cover of his most, one of the most iconic books of Herb, which is Diamond with an octopus laying on his head. Gorgeous, gorgeous photograph, one of the most iconic ones. And then I blew him up. <laughs> and then the guy just started working, started doing everything with Herb and all these other iconic photographers that I became friends with. Um, as I said, man, I just became very blessed by shooters. Mm. But that, I think, in a, in a later question, you could ask me where we are today. As I said, I am a full believer and lover of the art of making models, making images, creating beautiful art visually. And I think it's something that I guess it still exists at some level. I'm not that much of a huge, huge fan of some of the students of today. Um, you have to do a lot more to impress me. Sorry. You want to impress me? Can I? Sure, sure. Ask me. Yeah, I have a question too. You said you're a fan of making beautiful art. And earlier you mentioned how look is subjective. But you mastered this idea of making iconic models. Somebody that can transcend just being attractive or good looking to this one campaign or just like to one set of people. So I. There's kind of two questions here. The first one is like, what is beauty to you? Like, what is beautiful? What is that? Because one of the things that strikes me about this conversation is that you have an eye. Like you, you said faces tell stories to you and you're always pairing them with shooters and, and 
I have this question. Like, what is this good? question? This answer might bite me in the butt. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always ah okay. You know I have to be comfortable with who I am in my answer. Um, what is beauty to me? Wait a second. Wait a second. What you just did right there? Do you do that a lot? The, like level set on. So you just had a, a yeah. slight. You had like a slight moment of doubt. Like I don't know if I want to say this, and then you were like, "But I'm yeah. me." And you said yeah. it out loud. Like a lot of us have that struggle yeah. inside, and we, we never say don't it. Do and it. then yeah. we may not ever. Yeah. No, no, no. Is that, and we don't get to that moment. Like, I mean, that's what it is. It's like, ooh, boom, and I refocus, and then I go, okay, I'm ready. So, huh. there's that answer that everyone gives you. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I have no problem with that. That's not me. Mm. I'm not, I can't shoot the beholder. <laughs> I can shoot the face. Mm. I can't take a picture of your inside. I can't. I don't know it. I can't see it. Therefore, I need a picture of the outside. So, what attracts me in beauty is the outside. This is a as I said. This is a horrible answer, but what attracts me is the facial expression, the facial, the face, the face, the body, the length, the beauty of creating that incredible photograph, that image that will stay in your mind. There's a certain there's certain components that come along with that: bone structures, noses, lips. Eyes, hair, neck. Proportionality. Proportionality is golden ratio. Yeah. So that's wait, wait. Omar, you just said that you can't shoot what's on the inside, and you can't. I mean, it's, it's, it's not visible. It's not possible. But but you and you said so. You got to go with what's on the outside. But you also said earlier you don't have clients that you wouldn't want to hang out with. So in a way, you have kind of found a way of capturing the inner as well, no? Oh yes. Like you're not just shooting some random person that looks good. Like you like or I'm sorry, capturing somebody as a client that like, just because they yeah. look good. Like if you wouldn't want to hang out with them, you're not Yeah, you know, and so in a way no, I, I like yeah, yeah, I like right. how you say it. You know those like you know there's those people that you say you ever heard that expression obviously uh that he grew on me? Or she grew on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happens a lot. With me, mm-hmm. That I will just oh wait a minute. Okay, now I get. It. Like, remember that when you meet a person, you don't meet them. You meet in their representative. You meet in the person that they mm-hmm. think they want you to right. be. Especially in your business, right? Yeah, you always meet the representative. Just everybody, so, though, we're always. So I always friends. say, like, I can't wait to really meet you, like. You know, you really, really know who you are yeah. because the representative looks cool, but let's see who you really are. Yeah. And with ease about that vibe, mm-hmm. that vibe comes alive and then it brings the the, the, the outside. It, it That inside pushes through the outside it, and then you get to see the image. Yeah. And so yes, in, in the terms of what you're speaking of, yes, that inner beauty translates to a photograph it enhances yeah. the, 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 the outer view, the, the physical aspect. 
And that's when I stopped tearing it up with a shooter in my eyes. Like, oh my God, Steven Mizell would love that face. Or Bruce Weber would love that face. Patrick DeMarchelier would love that face. Uh, that, look at that girl's body. Mm. She's so juvenile. So I start pairing it up. That's yeah. what I do. And I still do. That's amazing. Like, I think that that is an is. amazing insight, Rodney, to, to put that together. Um, that's true. Sure. Because it's true, right? Hey, I yeah. could tell you were like, I don't know where no, you're about to go so right good. now. But uh, <laughs> with the with the last minute, um, I, I mean, Omar, we could talk for hours, and maybe one day this, we'll be able to. Um, sure. But um, we like to end with the same question with everybody, and that is, what do you want to leave everybody? Uh, hear the music of life. The music of life. There's so many sounds in life hear the music and 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 and, and live it and, and truly enjoy it i would say you know what, what do i want people to remember me as i think everybody usually people who know me they always say the same thing oh my god omar such a good person and he has such a good vibe his vibe is always uplifting i want always to be remembered as someone who's always been uplifting and someone who always wanted the best for you. Mm. As for us, for mm. you. Yeah. If you care to share the us, then I'm good. If you don't, then that's just who you yeah. are. Mm -hmm. But that's how I want to be remembered. As someone who shared and someone who always cared about giving people opportunities if those opportunities are available.